Hi, my name is Dan Nokovich, or Daniel Nokovich. I, uh, I'm starting this because, uh, well, we need a little truth. And I'm just going to be um, talking about truth and what it means to each one of us. Welcome to Unonymous, where we have a simple recipe. Give truth a chance. I'm pushing forward the notion that we will be discussing truth, entertainment, and news, and probably any other interesting topic. Color me vain, but I lose interest in content that does not interest me. I'm sure some of you feel the same way. So, at some point, we will discuss the truth and news in an entertaining way. Hey, we may even discuss the entertainment industry just for an in-depth discussions on hypocrites and the need for truth and the need for people of truth not to take them, the hypocrites, or actors very seriously. For example, the word hypocrite actually means actor. It's a Greek word. Uh, back in the day when uh, you would say which vocation you were a part of. If you were in the theater, you were considered a hypocrite. Oh, there goes a hypocrite. He's acting the part of someone else. Okay, so we take the truth seriously and family life seriously. And for that matter, we take God seriously. After all, he is the truth. So some of the things I would like to discuss and I'd like to discuss the ungodly amount of evil that is stressing the world out right now and how to realistically change the course of our present trajectory headed to hell in a handbasket. It is my quest to demonstrate how any individual, family, community, tribe, or nation can escape the tragic end that inevitably imprisons the completely and completely annihilates the stubborn, willful, and unruly people. Those who can't figure out that disregard and jettison the unchangeable and unmovable laws of God and nature are destined to earn the consequence of their intentional stupidity. The vision and the message that George Washington received from an angel, which by the way means messenger, there were three different messages delivered and one of those, the most troublesome, described our present darkness and evil atmosphere we are experiencing right now. But there is a great deal of hope that was masterfully displayed in the open vision delivered to George Washington. Uh, we probably won't discuss this next person. Her name is Ursula George Mann, or more commonly known as Mother Shipton. She prophesied about the same era as George Washington's vision suggested. Her prophecies are even more uncanny, uncanny and detailed than George Washington's. She talks about America becoming a nation, about America splitting up from England. Actually, the Bible talks about that too, so quite interesting. But getting on with things will discuss a little bit of that today. So, I want to di also discuss a little bit about myself so you get to know me just a little bit. 
don't want to get into too deep. Uh, first of all, I grew up in Michigan in a town called Grand Blank. It's right next to Flint. Most people know Flint, Michigan. Orange water, brown water, whatever kind of water. It was not very good water. Coming right out of Detroit. Uh, I was a fifth child of seven. Uh, we were poor as crippled church monks. Uh, I graduated from high school and uh, could not force myself to work at General Motors. Uh, I was given an opportunity to get an interview at General Motors. My father worked there, my grandfather worked there, everybody I knew uh, was looking to get a job at General Motors as if it was the end all and everything. But when I was on my way to the interview, I about choked. <laughs> so I turned around and went back home and said, I'd rather work for pennies on the dollar than working there. So that's what I did. I went to college for about three and a half years. I did not graduate, full disclosure. I moved to Minnesota and lived there for a while and really loved Minnesota. I loved the, um, I loved the whole atmosphere. In fact, there was a song that uh, we heard, we had a little 45, it was called Minnesota, I Can Almost Breathe the Air. Anyways, I loved that song. And it was, uh, it was a great, great time up in Minnesota. Met a lot of people and uh, they're great people. Then after that, I moved down to Florida where I am now. And I started traveling around the world. Uh, I had been to just Canada, Mexico, and Guatemala before I moved down here. But after I moved down here, I probably went to around 20 other countries. And that, I did that because um, I was with nobody. I was no with no organization or anything like that. I just traveled around and uh, tried to spread good, good cheer and, and love and joy. I had a lot of great experiences. I did uh, multiple jobs in the construction industry. I was a, a worker, project manager, operations manager, sales, um, and then I also was a consultant. I uh, would consider myself as about as average as you can get. In fact, I was so average in high school that my GPA was a 2.09 straight C. I was dead in the middle of my whole class. We had 669 students in my class and I was dead center. I was in the middle of my family as well. Uh, so there you have it. Dead average person. And, you know, Turning the focus back to where we are now, there's a lot of scary and weird, evil things happening in the world today. Now, I'm not of the opinion that everything is what it's supposed to be. I'm not of the opinion that, okay, well, I'm, I'm not a fatalist, in other words. I don't believe that everything that we see is God's will. 
I just, I don't subscribe to this, what was predestined to be this way. I'll explain predestination to you. Predestination is like two staircases. You got one going to the upstairs and you got one going down to the basement. If you happen to get on the staircase that's going up, it has a predestination. It is predestined to get you to the upstairs. If you get on the one going down, if you start walking on that staircase, it is predestined to get you to the basement. That is, that's a fact. So, when we talk about predestination, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Everything that's going on in the world is God's plan. I disagree. Completely disagree. And that's why I say some geniuses will chime in when the conversation starts to move towards any sort of personal responsibility to rise to the occasion with this bologna sausage dogma that God is ordaining the befalling and evil events. I would remind everyone that when angels announced the birth of Jesus, the heralded and pure, clear message was, Jesus was born and would bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So you can know exactly if something is God's will or not. Is it bringing peace on earth and goodwill toward men? If not, it ain't God. It's the spawn of Satan's mess spewing its evil venom all over the place. And Satan himself is trying to impose his will on mankind. Now, get this. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this. When he said praying about on the Lord's Prayer. This was part of the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Is that what it said? No. It said, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, so to me, it must mean that unless we invite him to impose his will upon the earth, really individually and nationally, then the earth will suffer through the will of an evil and cruel devil. When we talk about doing nothing, there's a saying, when good men do nothing, evil reigns. Well, God has provided a way for us to overcome evil. And it starts in our heart. Um, there's a lot of evil out in the world. How do we get past this evil? How do we overcome this evil? This evil is not just uh, localized. It's ubiquitous. It is ingrained in most of the elites and in most of those who are the pawns of the elites. But what can we do? Do we have a voice? Yes, we do have a voice. 
Furthermore, we have someone we can call. Someone with great power. Someone who has a booming voice. Someone whose voice commands angels. Now the story of Jehoshaphat when he fought with Ahab goes that Ahab asked Jehoshaphat if he would wear his garments, his kingly robes. And then (laughs) Ahab smartly dressed in battle gear, leaving Jehoshaphat a target for the enemy. And when the enemy surrounded Jehoshaphat, thinking it was Ahab, Jehoshaphat cried on the name of the Lord. And with that, when he cried on the name of the Lord, the Lord answered him. So Jehoshaphat called on the name of the Lord. It was not a, uh, you know, a big prayer of platitude and gratitude. Something like, oh, our heavenly father, I do thank you for this day. You see the enemy that is surrounding me and I must do something, of course. And I'm, I'm begging for your, your intrusion into my world. Please, if you would be so gracious to come and save my skin, I would definitely appreciate it. I don't think his prayer was like that. I think his prayer was more like, Oh, God, help. I need your help. Please help me. It was really a simple prayer. And I think that that is where we need to head as a people. As a people that need God's help. Forget the platitudes. Let's do what we need to do right now. And that is just call on the name of the Lord. Jesus, help us. We are surrounded by evil. Save us from this wicked and evil generation. When I say generation, deliver us from evil. The evil is all around us. Deliver us, oh God. And I want to mention this too. In Judges and and throughout most of history, um, but let's focus on Judges. The children of Israel refused to obey Jehovah and worship him alone and they would find themselves serving the very gods of their enemies and then end up becoming slaves to the servants of those gods. You see, we will have a master. It's a universal principle. We either let a loving and gracious God rule over us or in our haste to detach ourselves from this quote, unquote, God who is so insensitive to our unbridled lusts for everything erotic, we end up being enslaved to a cruel, evil, and vicious ruler who has no regard for humanity and is void of compassion. So what can we as individuals do? Well, Second Chronicles 7.14 gives us a road map to victory, also to bring us to a place where we have uh, freedom. Now, this is through history. This has happened throughout history. We see it all through, through time. Even in our own country, we've had what we call awakenings. Awakenings means 
they were sleeping and letting everything go to hell in a handbasket. And then they were awoken to the reality. See, when you sleep, when I go to sleep at night, you know what, I'm, un, I'm unconscious. And that's where we are when we're, we're sleeping. We're unconscious. We don't have consciousness of what's going on. But in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people, which are called by my name... Now, that's, that's an important fact. There are a lot of individuals who think that they can pray to God and, and they don't have any relationship at all with him at all. They're just, you know, I prayed once and nothing ever happened. If my people, which are called by my name, that's an important. So if you are called by God's name, you, okay, Christian, there's, there's one, Christian. If you're called a Christian, if you will humble yourselves, which humbling in the, in the Bible times was fasting and acknowledging their deviant path, and seek my face. God has his own identity, by the way. You see, God says, seek his face, not his hand, not his... Um, what he's done, but seek his identity, seek who he is. Many like to uh, change the identity of God. God has his own identity. Some have tried to deface God or strip him of his identity and sculpt a new face on his image, which is Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God. In fact, in the law, it says, you shall make no false images on heaven, on earth, or under the earth. Why is that so? Because God didn't want his likeness to be destroyed by our imagination or making an identity for him that didn't match his character, didn't match the definition that he wanted to define himself with. So he sent his own definition he defined himself through a man called Jesus Christ. Now, uh, some will dispute that, but we find in, in the book of Colossians where it says that Jesus, he is the image or the perfect image of the invisible God. God wanted to make his own image. And that identity of God, if you want to see what God looks like, look at Jesus Christ. Why do so many try to destroy the character of Christ? Because it is the image of God. He's the only image of God. Nebuchadnezzar made an image out of gold. He said, bow down to this image. Well, that image was of himself. Well, God made an image of himself. But it was God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. God living in the body of flesh. So we could understand in our terms. It was in our language. Christ Jesus 
is the word of God become flesh. And he wrote it in a language that all worlds could understand because it had to do with demonstration. It had to do with a life lived. He showed us his definition. He lived it out. So seek his face and pray. Now to pray means to ask, to beg, entreat, or plead. Now, here's something that's interesting. So many people say you're not allowed to pray in school. Well, that's false. You mean you can't ask your teacher something? You can't beg her for something? Or entreat your tr teacher to do something? Or plead for an A when you're getting an E? So prayer is always associated with a religious action. Prayer just means to ask, beg, or entreat. So it's impossible to um, eliminate prayer from school. So you're saying the only one that you can ask anything is that's like uh, when Daniel was in um, was in uh, Babylon and the three wicked princes tried to have him killed, but they couldn't find anything wrong with him. So they decided to make a law that would make the king the only one anybody could pray to. And they said, if you ask anybody anything else, or if you ask anybody anything other than the king, then you will be thrown into the lion's den. That's what it was about. It was about prayer. We have the same situation in our in our schools. So we've been uh, acquiescing or capitulating to this notion that you cannot pray in school. Huh. You mean you can not pray to the God of heaven? You cannot ask the God of heaven anything. That's basically what we're saying you can ask the state you can pray to the state you can pray to the principal you can pray to the teachers but you can't pray to god he is the only one who can do something they are jealous of his power it's the old thing they're jealous of the power of god so pray to god He's the only one who has the power to do anything. And then it says to turn from their wicked ways. Now, turn is a very curious word. It means to exit. In its original, it means to exit, flee, or abandon. So, if people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my faith, and pray. So, there's, there's a protocol, a step-by-step -step process to overcome evil. Exit, flee, or, or abandon your wickedness, cruelty, crookedness, adultery, etc., etc. There's many things that people are involved in, and it is not part of the narrative that God sent down to man, made a huge deal about it, destroyed a whole Egyptian army, which we still talk about today. 
we still talk about Egypt and the exit of the Israelites leaving Egypt. We talk about David and Goliath, things that happened. God made a big deal about the law. We still know about the law. We know about Moses. We know about how he was the lawgiver. And all that was was a book of rules. To be ruled means you have to have rules. Hello. You have to have rules. So, exiting our wickedness, cruelty, crookedness, adultery, idolatry, is turning from our wicked ways. It says, then I will hear from heaven. There, there is a protocol for any intervention with God. It's not just praying. It's humbling ourselves. It's seeking the face of God. It is praying and it is turning from our wicked ways. After that, it says, then God will hear from heaven. Now, many people, myself included, get this self-righteous attitude. Well, I don't, there's nothing wrong that I'm doing. Oh, really? We need to take a closer look. Give God a chance to look over your resume. Check out the truth of what you say about yourself. And then we can talk about whether or not we need to repent. It's my belief that everyone needs to repent. In fact, in Isaiah 55, it says, Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. He said, So we got to abandon our own thoughts and we have to adopt his thoughts and we have to adopt his ways, embrace them, live them. It says, then I will hear from heaven after we've done all those things and I will forgive your sin. That means to promise to remove the debt incurred while spending precious equity of time on sin that rebels against the one whom they originally bowed their knee to in submission to his greatness, conquering victories. Those who are called by his name have made a confession. That is to support this great king, to obey him, and to live in such a way that does not dishonor him. So we call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. That word shall is emphatic. You shall be saved. There's no platitudes. A real simple prayer will work. Help, Lord. Uh, I have a friend, um, Eric. He told me about a science project or a scientific experiment they did with prayer. And so they would call people into, like, say, a, a town and they would uh, they would find out what specific things were happening in the town, what was the greatest trouble the town was having. And so then they would call in people who had agreed to be a part of this scientific experiment. Scientific means 
the scientific method. You have a hypothesis. You, you say, well, this is what we think will happen. Then you prove it. And then after that, then you go in and you, um, you come up with your conclusions. You Well, you observe it, then you come up with your conclusions after that. So anyways, they had this experiment. And what they discovered was that if 1%, they, they, they got the number down to 1%, if 1% of the people or a population would pray, everything else would change according to what they prayed. That gives a lot of hope because it doesn't mean that 99% have to pray. It just means 1% have to pray. So, and that's, that's what that scientific experiment came up with. Now, I want to talk about something that um, uh, uh, that is important. We have a lot of people giving their interpretation of how they can be and who they can be and they give themselves passes well i i i would i grew up in a poor family so therefore god understands or i was ugly all my life and finally i got good looking so now i'm just using that as my to my advantage because god understands my need for sex or you know I'm black, or I'm Hispanic, or I'm white. Any excuse to live in a manner that they don't have to have any sort of ruler over them. Their only ruler is their passions and their lusts. Well, I'm here to tell you, there are no passes. There's only one pass, and that's the blood of Jesus. You see, there is, uh, you know, the agnostic uh, is looking for an excuse to pardon himself with ignorance, feigning ignorance so that he can do whatever he wants. Now, the atheist is looking to dismiss God as a simple aberration so that he or she can ascend the vacant throne. So they try to vacate the throne of God by declaring there is no God, and it's the age-old lie from the beginning that Satan put out there, and that is, you can be God. The throne has been vacated. There is nobody there, so why don't you go ahead and take the throne yourself? Uh, the undecided is looking for a counterfeit so that they can become a servant of the entity of their own making. This also is an arrogant approach to the true God. When I say uh, arrogance, I mean it is a turning your nose up at. I have a saying that I say, everyone is looking for the answer except for Christ cannot be the answer. In other words, Give me anything but Christ as the answer. When in reality, he is the answer. Uh, I'll tell you a little story about Tali Savalas. Uh, 
he, uh, of course, became a world-famous actor, hypocrite, if you will. And he was once approached on a plane by a well-dressed young man just before the plane touched down. And Talib Savalas, was, he was going to Greece at the time. He, that's where he's from. Savalas is Greek. And he was so annoyed. How could you come into my space? And so he told the young man to please, please get up. Quit bothering me. I, I can't handle it. Now, the man was telling Tali Savalas that he says, I want to thank you so much for what you've done for our country. Thank you for uh, bringing light and honor to our country. Well, Tali Savalas would have nothing of it. Now, when the plane landed, Tali Savalas noticed that there was a red carpet that was, you know, being, was rolled out there and they stopped on the tarmac. And uh, Tully, and they had cameras and everything else going. And, and Telly Savalas was like, oh, man, can't they just leave me alone? Well, he got up to stand up to get off the airplane when the plane had uh, stopped. Well, then there were uh, men in uh, black uh, suits that told him to sit down. He's like, what are, you, what are you doing? Well, that young man who had talked with him rose up and he was the king or royalty of Greece at the time. I don't know what his name was, but anyways, sometimes we treat royalty as if they're nobody, but someday, each one of us who have belittled the royalty and thought of ourselves more highly than we ought to will discover that we are not as great as that humble king, Jesus Christ. So, call on the Lord and he will deliver you. I'm not arguing any points with some obvious questions that I might have to field if there were a crowd thronging around me. So since there isn't, I will finish my thoughts and maybe your questions will be answered as you listen. In my book, The Trouble with Men and Women, I start a chapter with a statement, the first step of communication is listening, not talking. I've listened for years now now I'm responding. Well, in the end, if we do not call upon the name of the Lord individually, if we fail to call upon the name of the Lord and follow the steps of 1 Chronicles 7.14, then I don't think that we have a chance to overcome this evil. We're not going to overcome it with guns and bullets. We don't overcome evil that way. Uh, Jesus said that we wrestle. Well, actually, it wasn't Jesus. That was Paul. Paul said we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, our struggle, our contention is not with flesh and blood. But those influencers that that's who we fight against is 
but we fight against powers and principalities and spiritual darkness in high places. So there in is our battle, but how do we fight that? We can't even see our enemy. We fight it with the one who can see it and who has overcome all evil. And we call on his help. He's the only one who can fight it. But if we don't humble ourselves and see that we can't fight it on our own, that uh, then we've already lost the battle. But there is a protocol. We must call upon the name of the Lord. Just just call. And I'm asking people to call on the name of the Lord. Call on his name. Don't just want, not one time, every day, every day, call it. Jesus, help us. Save us. Save us from this present evil. It's terrible, O oh Lord. Help us, O oh God. And when you do that, there will be an answer when we turn from our wicked ways, when we humble ourselves, when we seek his face. Don't give God a wrong identity. Don't relegate him to other gods. He's not that. His identity is he is the creator of all things. And when we seek him, the one who can do all things, that's where faith grows. When you see the true identity of God, that's where your trust can grow in God. But it can't grow if you don't see him for who he is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The image of God is found in the face, the life, the words of Jesus Christ. And then he will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sins. Let's don't be so arrogant to think that, oh, we have no sin. We are the perfect ones. I'm sorry, I don't care how good you are. You can never shoot a perfect game. You can never do everything exactly right. Only Christ did that. That's why we need his help. We need forgiveness from God every day. So with that, we are going to um, say adieu for now, and we'll see you tomorrow.